0: Thanks for tuning in. This is Matt Santos of The Mile High Show. You are listening to episode number 249. Now, this was recorded at Jared's Coffee and Tea Shop in uh, Mesa, Arizona. I was down there this weekend for a couple of things. But one of those things was to sit down and talk with Ron Morey. Now, Ron Morey is a comic who has been a fixture in the uh, Phoenix and Southwest comedy scene. Actually, the comedy scene around the country. He's a true true traveling, uh, traveling artist there. He travels all over the place. In and around the Phoenix area, you can see him at Stir Crazy. You can see him at J.P.'s. And this Friday, February 24th, you can see him live at the Elks Theater in the Crystal Ballroom, Friday, February 24th. Uh, 7 p.m. show. The doors open at 6. PrescottElkstheater.org is where you can find out information on those tickets as well as in the show notes. On the 25th, he will be performing at the Flagstaff Orpheum Theater. Both of these shows at the Elks and at the Orpheum are brought to you by Jester Comedy. J.C. Anderson, the founder of Jester Comedy, brings shows to the Orpheum uh, on a regular basis. And once a month, he, he brings comedy also to the Elks at the Crystal Ballroom at the Elks Theater right here in Prescott, Arizona. So I sat down uh, with Ron at Jared's Coffee and Tea Art Gallery, a really nice place in Mesa. I had never been there before. We recorded this last Friday. And every Saturday... At uh, at 3 p.m., Jesse Evers, uh, a comedian from down in uh, down in Phoenix, hosts an open mic. So I went back the next day to Jared's for uh, for uh, Jesse Evers' open mic at Jared's. That's a real fun show. It's a mixed open mic, music, poetry, comedy, whatever, as long as it is in a clean, a PG-13 format. And uh, had a lot of fun down there hanging out. Uh, again, had not been to Jared's in the past. Uh, and I wanted to check it out because that uh, family-friendly comedy is definitely something that I enjoy and enjoy being part of. One of the other things we are doing down we being my family, down in the Valley this past weekend was to attend at Stir Crazy Comedy Club. Now, Stir Crazy is one of my favorite uh places to go in the valley it's in Glendale at the Westgate Shopping Center that's or not the Entertainment District not Shopping Center the Westgate Entertainment District uh, which is right there where the where the uh, State Farm Stadium where the Super Bowl was held a couple of weeks ago in that same complex tons of entertainment and food and beverage options including Stir Crazy Comedy Club you can find Stir Crazy at stircrazycomedyclub.com now, one of the things, and we'll get to Ron in just a moment, Ron Mori, who's performing at the Elks this Friday, but one of the main reasons we wanted to get down to the Valley this past weekend was because a new show at Stir Crazy that will be happening once a month, their next one is coming up March 16th, but Thursday, February 16th was their first Clean Open Mic, and this is brought to you by Randy Hausner, clean comedy USA at gmail.com. Randy does clean shows at Stir Crazy. They're booked shows once a month on Sundays, but he's just recently started a clean open mic, and that's an open mic for any comics to sign up for and do their uh, their best. I think they were doing five, maybe seven minutes of clean comedy not necessarily something all of these comics typically do. He does that for 10 comics, so about an hour. And then the final portion of the show is a 30-minute slot of a comic, a headliner, doing a clean set. So it's an a open mic with some seasoned comic, some brand new, closed off with a seasoned headliner doing 30 minutes of clean comedy. This past week, we saw... Uh, Manny Hernandez, who I've gotten a chance to do some shows with in the past, and who will be coming also to Prescott in April, and that was it was a great time. And what made it especially special was because my uh, my cohort on this intro, my son Anthony, attended the Stir Crazy show on Thursday for his very very first time inside of an actual comedy club anthony what was your take on thursday's show did you enjoy it
1: yeah it was it was really fun uh i love i love the guys talking that was that was nice
0: the guy the guys and gals
1: yeah
0: guys of all genders talking it was a lot of fun who did you like most there was a couple on there i know you were you were having a lot of fun with
1: i didn't really have a favorite they were all so nice and uh, yeah
0: yeah it was good it was nice seeing because you love comedy. You watch yes. a lot of comedy on, on TV and on YouTube and stuff. Um, we're very particular about the type of comedy you listen to and watch. Who are some of your favorites that you've seen on TV? Because I know you got some favorites that you've seen on the screen.
1: Uh, yeah, Ryan Regan's one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: yeah. You uh, got a chance to see him live, huh?
1: Yeah, that was that was fun too.
0: Yeah, we went to Yavapai College to the Performing Arts Center several months ago. It's kind of a surprise for Anthony. Again, Brian, as everyone, all of his fans know, he works uh, clean. Interestingly enough, sometimes clean comics, if they're billed as clean, they're, it, it's, it's more the clean aspect than the comic aspect. Regan, Manny Hernandez, Keith Ellis, Danielle Williams, they were all on the uh, show on Thursday. They are hilarious comics who happen to work clean. I think there's a difference. There's sometimes a clean comic will be clean, not necessarily funny. So, of course, Brian Regan, Nate Bargatze who I've I need to show you some. He's got a new special out completely clean. Our friend who I spoke with the other day on the uh, on the phone, Steve oh, Simone.
1: Yeah,
0: Steve. He's hilarious. You've seen, you've heard his CDs, huh?
1: Yeah, uh he's really funny. And I I like it when he talks about his family uh about them doing like crimes every day. <laughs> yeah,
0: Steve Simone, the the felonies committed in his house on a daily basis. Growing up, uh, we're trying to get Steve up here to the Prescott area as well. It's just uh, it's been difficult. He hasn't been in the the Arizona area in a while to perform. Um, But we've actually gotten a chance to hang out with Steve You've had lunch with him a couple of times He's a good guy, huh? Yeah, he is Also works clean So he's a lot of fun to to listen to So it was exciting for me uh, Since I work in in comedy clubs quite a bit To be there with you I know mom was there She didn't uh, She had fun But that's not her stuff I don't think she's uh, She's not much of a comedy fan
1: she wasn't laughing a lot. She
0: she had some laughs. She was having fun. You were dying on a few, especially yeah. Manny Hernandez did a great show. He did a he did a lot of, a lot of funny stuff going on. And then our friend Keith Ellis, who I've gotten a chance to work with in the past, he uh, he did dynamite as well. And then there were a few comics there that uh, it looks like they have not performed a whole lot. They're kind of learning the ropes. So that's a neat opportunity for them to get on stage on a show that features some great uh, local talent or great regional talent in the comedy scene, some of those established headliners and feature feature comics, and then the show's rounded out with with a lot of newbies. So it's kind of neat. We're going to try and get down there again, maybe this one in March. Again, it happens the... Is that the third third Thursday, I think? Anyway, it was uh, February 16th. It just happens it's going to be also Thursday, uh, March 16th, but it'll be a monthly show, clean open mic. It is the only clean open mic comedy specific uh, around, and uh, Randy also pays his comics, including the open micers. So it's kind of a neat opportunity for people to... uh, to get their foot in the door and find out what stand-up is all about and for fans like Anthony here to sit back and enjoy comedy. Again, clean open mic. It's on a rotation. Don't quote me on this because I don't know. I think it's the third Thursday of every month, but it is Thursday, March 16th is the is the next one. Uh, tickets are ten bucks to get in. There is a slight service uh, fee, but I think it's a buck or so, and of course, tax. So it comes out about twelve bucks per seat. Um, but the Stir Crazy Comedy Club, Clean Open Mike, Randy Hausner, Clean Comedy USA at Gmail.com is where you can find him, and you can find information on the show, Stir Crazy Comedy including their full lineup of upcoming shows. And of course, Anthony. This show is brought to you by our sponsor, Bully Dog Coffee Company. Big, bold flavors for your big, bold hearts. Ron Morey will be getting a pound of whole beans when he appears this Friday at the Elks Theater. PrescottElkstheater.org. 6 p.m. Doors open. Show starts at 7. Ron Morey at the Elks. Saturday the 25th at the Orpheum, all brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company. My friend and neighbor Patrick roasts his own beans and then takes a good chunk of his income and dedicates it to local and regional Pitbull and other canine rescue and support organizations. Bully Dog Coffee Company. Big, bold flavors for your big, bold heart.
1: Can you slurp any louder?
0: I could try. Sit back and enjoy my conversation with Ron Morey. Appearing this Friday at the Oaks Theater. For sitting down with me, Ron, I really appreciate it. Uh,
2: Thank you for having me here at Gerards.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward for uh, your Friday show, the 24th, right. February 20th, just this coming up Friday. Yep, at the Elks Theater. Now, have you been up to the Prescott area to perform in the past?
2: Oh yeah, but it's been years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, I, I'm gonna say it was. Pro- it's been maybe 15 years. Oh wow. Yeah, I've been through there. You know, yeah, my yeah. way up to other gigs, but. Well, the Elks was definitely
0: there when you performed last. I'm uh, sure it you know, was. the historic Elk Theater. It's a beautiful spot. And you're performing up in the Crystal Ballroom again this Friday. PrescottElksTheater.org is where you can find info on tickets. But uh, it's a jester comedy uh, production right. in conjunction with uh, the Elks Theater, and the jester comedy is uh, J C Anderson. He's been producing shows up there for about six, seven months, yep. monthly, uh, bringing in headliners from around the state and around the country. So it's nice to uh, to have one of the I'm going to embarrass you here one of the legends of of Phoenix the Phoenix comedy scene. Um, Legends. Well, I've been, I was around town uh, right. last night and went to a to a show, saw some comics I haven't seen in a while, and mentioned I was going to be recording with you in preparation for the Elk show, and across the board, oh, you're going to love Ron. Oh, you're going to love Ron. They're going to love him up there. <laughs> so. What? Get, get a little history. Give us the Reader's Digest condensed version of of your your comedy journey. Right.
2: Well, I started in Arizona. Get this in '91, uh, as it were, <laughs> and uh, hit the road. Well, I didn't hit the road until probably, you know, at that time you could stay in town for a lot longer. There were a lot more clubs at the time. You could really kind yeah. of hone your skills and then get out on the road. Not in early
0: '90s. What were the what were the clubs? Here? Was it was a comedy spot. Was that Rolling
2: in Scottsdale? No, no, no. This uh, there was a, a place called uh, Finney Bones in Phoenix. <laughs> uh, Michael Finney owned that. Great guy, and I owe a lot to him for getting me yeah. started. And uh, the improv came a little later, Tempe Improv, and uh, there was a place called Seekers, and and then there were a lot of just like kind of one night nighters and yeah. stuff like that. So. It was, it was really a lot easier to stay in town, work on your act before you hit the road, yeah. and I feel bad for a lot of the younger comics who have to. They don't really have that opportunity because, you I mean, a lot of these clubs on the road, they don't even put the opener up. It used to yeah. be you could sleep on the couch, pay yeah, your yeah. dues that way, but at least you were out there you know, cutting your teeth and, and try to get good. Huh. So I think now, if you're if you're opening, I think you have to be one of the you have to live in an RV or something. I don't know. I mean, you know what I mean? Which I would do if I was starting or, out. I would. Or do what a lot it of takes. them are just using the locals. Uh, you know, right. s- Some of them.
0: So you, you mentioned some of the some of your starting days. What 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 je- what motivated you to get on stage in the first place?
2: Well, I think everyone has a different reason for doing it. i for my, for me, it was definitely um, I kind of wanted to prove to myself that I had these funny ideas, yeah. right? I was an introvert, pretty much, uh, but I was always kind of silly and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, maybe had a little social anxiety, whatever it is. Yeah. But I always say, if I was a psychologist and uh, someone came to me and said, hey, I've, I suffer from social anxiety, I would say, well, you might want to uh, maybe put yourself in front of people and you know, plan what you're going to say. Maybe yeah. make them laugh. Make them laugh and make it a situation where you sort of have to focus and have to do the job, and that's stand-up comedy. You have total strangers coming to you, paying for you to make them laugh, and it focuses you. And so you have to get your articulation down. Yeah. You have, that's why you write, I think most stand-up comics start out as introverts first, and then they write this material, and over time, after performing it, they learn how to come out of their shell, yeah. and they become more of an extrovert. It is a form of therapy in a way. I think maybe subconsciously that's what I was doing, right? I was um, Early on, you really don't know why you're doing it. But I think in retrospect, you go, ah, this all starts to make sense now. Um, And so I was writing for a friend of mine, Joey Scazzola, still (laughs) my best friend. And uh, he was already doing stand-up at these clubs I was just mentioning. And so it was just a matter of me. um, I was already hanging out with him to see if the jokes worked. So all those people that ran the club were going, hey, Ron, when are you going to do it? You know, when are you going to get up? So really all I had to do was say, hey, I think I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, because Joey said, hey, you've got to start. Because he would kind of mess up maybe sometimes the wording. I go, no, you've got to use this word. <laughs> and you've got to end the bit with this word. That's why it's not funny. He goes, well, you just do it. You should be doing it anyway. And he pushed me into it. I, I owe... I owe Joey a lot because he's pushed me into a lot of stuff that I well, I don't think I'm good enough. <laughs> he's that kind of friend.
0: Yeah, I got I got a lot of old buddies that pushed me into a lot of things too, but I'm not thanking them for them. Ah,
2: uh, yeah, that's yeah. yeah.
0: Stories I'm still not allowed to <laughs> yeah. tell my son. Right, I had some of those friends <laughs> too. <but. laughs> so when you started, what you, you don't have to be exact here, but what, at what age were you starting in? in okay, that year? I
2: was uh, 25. So what were you doing for the nine to five? What were you doing to punch the clock? I was working for, this is, this is going to sound like a joke. <laughs> it it kind of was a joke of a place, but I worked for a place called Professional Microsystems. Yeah. And he, we went by PMS, right? <laughs> and it was a security company. I am not, this is not a joke. I wouldn't write a joke this bad, but it's, <laughs> it was PMS security. But we did all kinds of uh, electronic stuff, like yeah. low-voltage stuff, not just security systems, but phone systems and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, because I was studying electrical engineering technology, and uh, got my degree in that. Um, and I'm still tinkering with electronics and stuff yeah. like that, too. I see a lot of analogies to comedy in that, too. It's really fun. But, uh, yeah, I was doing that, uh, going to school at night, working there during the day. And then uh, when I had a chance, I'd run to the club to see how uh, my jokes were doing yeah. or whatever and, or just to see learn.
0: How, see how Joey was butchering
2: them. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. 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 Or, but just to, to watch... Guys that I thought were really funny, too, and they were already doing it at the time. You know, um, like David Spade was just doing the one-nighter at a place called Anderson's Fifth Estate, which was in Old Town Scottsdale. Yeah. And to me, I always thought he was funny. He was always different with what he was doing. He wasn't doing like premise set of punchline. You know, he was this... He was more of a personality. Yeah. You know, He was like snarky. He was snarky before there was snark. <laughs> and that's one of the things I love about David Spade, too. Yeah. And he's still, he's, he's grown into that as far as his acting goes. He's become himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's why his characters are so great. But uh, so I got to learn from all those guys, you know, Mark Cordes uh, and Joe Corcoran and Bob Kubota. Those guys started before me. And uh, yeah. I mean, I had great mentors.
0: I got to do a couple of shows up, up in Prescott with Bob. Kubota, he's yeah. a great guy. He and, I, and then I butchered his intro when I, I was hosting, and uh, <laughs> he he was really specific about how he's coming out of retirement because oh, yeah. <laughs> he took a little time off right for some family stuff. But man, it's good to see him back bouncing around as regular as he is. He it, really is. it really yeah. is.
2: It really is because I know like Keith Ellis and I were trying to drag him uh, back yeah. out. You got because he was like, "I'm I, this is it. I've I've been out of it too long." Yeah. And, I got No, you're a great son. You're taking care of your mom. You're doing the <laughs> stuff you're supposed to do. You know, you. Uh, but you're a, you're a comedian, man. You're a comic. You got to yeah. get out there and don't don't give it up. He was he felt pretty, you know, discouraged. Yeah, it's
0: good to see him out and about. So you mentioned Keith. Saw him last night. Yeah. Uh, one of one of the things we're really looking forward to you about you coming up to to Prescott is in all the years that you've been doing comedy, you've seen no doubt dozens and dozens if not more styles of of comedy so yeah you you have a a reputation in this valley and in the circuit in in me talking to a lot of the comics around and and jc jc anderson who's presenting the show on friday at the elks jc of being hilarious and oh by the way he works clean too it's kind of like because there's there's Kind of a stigma, I was at a show last night uh, here here in the valley, and it was a clean comedy show mm-hmm. build as clean and a lot of people kind of come in preconceived ideas well it 's going to be clean, that means it 's not going to be as funny as a regular show right and I personally am a firm disbeliever in that to me some of the some of the comedy greats uh, Brian Regan being one. Um, uh Nate Bargatze, who's uh, just skyrocketing the last couple Absolutely. of years. Absolutely. You don't go, oh, this is a clean comic that's funny. It's like this guy's hilarious. Right. Oh, and you know what? I don't think he said any bad way. You know, he <laughs> I know. So and that's the rep you have is working. Do you do you consciously work clean? Well or is that just kind of how your own personality filters through?
2: Well, I gotta be honest. I uh when I do club shows, I get a lot looser, but uh-huh. I'm not, I've never been filthy and yeah. whatever, you know, uh, but I do think, cause, because I think that's for adults, right? I think yeah. when I did, when I did uh, cruise ships and they had the clean comedy, it's, it's yeah. family comedy, which is fine. I love that too. But there's, I always thought there's already plenty of stuff on the ship yeah. for kids, right? If a kid's from a, 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 a healthy family, that are they're good people, that kid should be laughing all the time. They don't necessarily yeah. need stand-up. Stand-up is an adult thing. Huh. Whether it be because you can be really crystal clean and still be on an adult level, because yeah. just of the subject matter and the references you're using, right? So that's a whole other realm right there. Yeah. So um, but I think it's the the adults of this world that Stand-up is, that's what it's for. I love making kids laugh, but they should be laughing all the time. You make a goofy face at them, whatever. But stand-up is a little more, it's cerebral. Even if it's silly, Yeah, it's it's catered for adults because the adults in this world are the ones who are stressed out. They've got mortgages. They're stressed out because they have kids. They, they, a lot of times, they're not paying attention to the stuff you're making fun of. Yeah. So as a comic, you're pointing this out, the stuff that they're missing, and they just get to release all this stress. And so I... I put it this way: I try to be as clean as possible, and obviously, when I do church shows and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know corporate shows or whatever, but um, I try to I talk. Uh, yeah, I would probably more PG thirteen. You know, gotcha. talk to them like adults, um, because that's I I just think that's how people normally make each other laugh: is they just the more someone is closer to themselves, and they're not editing themselves as as they speak. I think uh, people bond more with yeah. with you. you, you know, especially nowadays with, you
0: know. And that attention span, too, uh, because when you're on stage, you got the light on you. It's one person standing yes. there holding a mic. You need the eyes focused on you. Right. You're talking off mic about like music shows and in, in some of the same venues that we perform right. comedy. And there's a musician up there maybe even a dance band but then people are sitting there having conversations the music's kind of in the background <laughs> right when you go up on stage you need to command their attention right off the exactly. bat exactly and that doesn't necessarily lean itself to to an all ages show you know kids kids get bored exactly but, so when i when i when we do see comics who really grab every single person in the audience to me that's just magical it's like they 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 got them and
2: they're not letting go exactly yeah. and i to this day, I will watch YouTube videos of of comics on stage who I think uh, are masterful in their crowd control. Yeah, I'm not I'm not someone who really talks to the audience that much. If something happens or whatever, yeah. like that, because I like writing material, and I'm not that's not that's not really my forte. That's not my wheelhouse. Is yeah. uh, going into the audience, but when I see someone who does it really well, it's just like anything. When you see someone do something really well. It's like, wow, there is, there's something here I can learn. You know what I mean? It's just I wish I had more of that <laughs> that ability. And not to use it all the time, but to, you know what I mean? That, that ability to be uh, naturally funny with whatever's happening yeah. and not get shook or any of that stuff. is that's Again, that goes back to interpersonal conversation. Yeah. It's what makes you a funny person before you decide to become a stand-up.
0: And the Prescott area will get a chance to see Ron Morey do just that. This Friday, the 24th of February at the Elks Theater Crystal Ballroom. Doors open at 6, shows at 7. Thanks, Ron. I'll Appreciate be there. It. Thank you, Matt. And now we're just going to bleed right over. Boom! And this is going to continue. <laughs> so, so if you're still listening, that was our segment for radio. Now we're going to roll into the Mile High Show podcast. Now we mentioned where it's at. MileHighShow.com brought to you by Bully Dog Coffee Company. My friend and neighbor, Patrick Bowler, who brews, this guy is my neighbor. He roasts his own coffee. And his house? Yeah, he's got a roaster there. He was using a commercial roaster for a while, but now he's doing it all local. Oh, wow. It lives right around the corner from me. He got a few different blends, but it's Bully Dog Coffee Company, and he takes basically everything he makes and replenishes supply, and then what's left, he donates it to... Pitbull and Bulldog Rescue wow. Places all over the country. I love that. Yeah, he he used to have a podcast. He's not really doing it much anymore. He's doing some video stuff, but Bully Dog Coffee Company So I'll what we do Is I've got my Mile High Show Coffee mugs yep. And some stickers And he's got some Mugs and stickers And then when people Leave us good reviews Or they st- Sometimes people Stop me like hey, I'll be going through Costco Hey you're that podcast guy Yeah And we give We'll give them like A pound of beans And uh, and a cup <laughs> coffee <laughs> I love <laughs> it <laughs> So that's yeah. how we Sponsor the show is, Okay uh, Is Bully Dog Am I going to so get Some of these beans After the- I, I You know I'm what you, you are a coffee drink <laughs> I know sure. I'll I love coffee I'll bring some uh, With me on uh, Friday kidding. night, okay. Yeah. I would love to try it. Okay, do you? Uh, you are you a uh, whole bean guy? You grind your own? You want them pre-ground? What? What do you prefer? A little
2: bit of both. Sometimes, if I have the time, obviously, I will well, grind it myself. I'll I'll bring you whole beans. That okay. way, you can uh, you can do with as you please. Yeah, because sometimes exactly. you know a certain roast, you have to grind it uh, more of an espresso grind, I, see, right? To get see, it, I, I need it dark. I, I, I want it to smack me do. in the face. Yeah, exactly. I want it to punch me in the gut. Kick me in the nads, and <laughs> and that's what because a lot of
0: people go well the the lighter roast it retains more of the caffeine. I'm like I'm not drinking for the caffeine, right? I'm gonna get my caffeine because I'm sucking on a pot, you know. Sure. I, at home, my my office is my home, right? So I'm like my starting my second pot by nine thirty in the morning, right? And I <laughs> grind that to what <laughs> it looks like black flour, yes. it's so fine because it's not the caffeine so much, right? I want that punch-in-the-face flavor. Yes. Boom. Yes. I want yes. that
2: dark French roast. Or you a dark, are speaking yeah. my language. So... Yeah, and that's the thing is uh, the great thing about... I think a darker roast, too, yes, it does have less caffeine, but I think that's why historically, like, Europeans like darker roast because, well, they've been drinking it longer, yeah. but also they... It, you can you can kind of ease into your buzz. You can sneak yeah. up on it, too, so it tastes strong, but you're, e- you're sneaking up on the caffeine buzz rather than just being hit by, you <laughs> know what are they called? The uh, Robusta beans where they just knock, I mean like one cup is like whoa! The, a light roast Robusta will just kick you in that, that rear end.
0: That's like you know, you're going to have a nice little uh, sip and whiskey or you're just going to do shots of the well. Yeah, right. Of, yeah. Know, if, 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 it gets you there, but it's yeah. just not the same no, trip. No, you'll regret it. Now, I want to plug, we didn't really plug it on the first section that we're throwing to radio, but we are at Jared's Coffee and Tea Shop. You in, mm-hmm. in, in the first part of this conversation we were talking about the various styles of comedy. We're going to delve deep into that yeah. a little bit more but this jared's is the home to a uh, all ages open mic every saturday but i believe it starts three to five two to five i don't remember i'll okay. have to look i'll put a link in the in the show notes here but it's a mixed open mic poetry music a lot of stand-ups come here as well prepping stuff for later shows because it is an afternoon show lovely but we're sitting in this place. What's your take? I I love the look of this.
2: I love it. I'm coming here more now. Like I said, I live in hey, you're the close area. By. I'm close by. I've never been in here, yeah. but I'm going to be here a lot now because it's just so cool, isn't it? All I the just,
0: artwork. I got the straight. Just I think we both got the americano. It's really yeah, good coffee. It is good. And uh, and it's just a neat little spot. They got a little baby grand up there right near the stage. Tons of artwork on the walls. You like it? You yeah. guys come here a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice! Great, nice. Ah, I do too. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) There's a couple of different little rooms, little spots. People are reading and kids hanging out. It's so So, cool. uh, And again, love the idea of an all ages open mic. Right. To give, and that's the thing. Up in the Prescott area, it's a really hardcore music, uh, music neighborhood, music town. Are we talking
2: shredding metal?
0: Um, no, well it's a lot of singer-songwriter stuff, some I, classic rock and country, yeah. but there are a couple of spots the Jackass in Prescott Valley. There's a couple of other little little spots, the Attic where we used to do some comedy shows. Right. They also have an open mic. They bring in some punk and some heavy metal and stuff. Oh, cool. A lot of a lot of singer-songwriter stuff, a lot of great blues. I love blues. Um And uh, But there's really no place for the—one of our great musicians up there, Drew Hall, Mm -hmm. plays with a couple of different incarnations up there, Ponderosa Grove, the Cheek Tones. They've got several albums out. They do uh, tours of the country. But Drew Hall, based out of Prescott, also teaches music. So he's got these virtuosos that he's teaching guitar to that are 13, 14, 15 years old got nowhere to play. Right. So we had done a while back uh, pre-pandemic a, a mixed open mic to give a lot of these younger folks who or and and also adults who just don't want to go hang out at the bar sure. Scene. A place to play their music. Some of them to take the mic and tell a few jokes. We're going to be starting one up again, in in another few. Oh, probably by April. Right. We're starting it up. But uh, I liked uh, I
2: liked him when he played with Oates. That they were in the (laughs) seventies,
0: right? Same guy. Different guy. (laughs) Oh, different guy. guy. Okay. As Daryl. Oh, Daryl. So Ron, let's talk a little bit more about your your starts. You started in '91, kind of behind the scenes writing.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And do you remember your first, Now, you, so you're starting to load it. You're already seeing your ideas being performed right. by people you were writing for. So you got to, I have a bad way of saying things that I mean to be compliments and they don't sound that way. Right. So you, it, not that you had it easier, but you had a chance to see your stuff being yes. and kind of hashing out. So your first time on stage isn't necessarily the same experience. Well, nobody's first time is the same as anybody never. else's. Yeah. But you, yours wasn't the same as somebody else who's writing things and probably has never said them out loud in some sense. Right. And then going up cold. So what was your first time yeah, like? Yeah. Grabbing at the
2: mic. Finney Bones, that place I was telling you about, it, uh, it was in Phoenix, Michael Finney's club. Great, uh, great club to start and my buddy Joey, who was pushing me into stand-up, he says, look, when you get up there, because I play a little bit of guitar, right? So he says, yeah. he says you'll feel comfortable if you wear your guitar on a strap and then tape, this actually worked way against me, but he said, tape your set list on top of the guitar. The audience can't see it, uh, but you'll, if you get lost, just look down there. Well, what ended up happening is I was so nervous that I did the first joke, blanked out, had to look down at the top of the guitar, yeah. did that joke, and now I was dependent on it. Now I was so like in my head, after every joke, yeah. <laughs> I looked down so, I, so when I got off stage I go, Wow, after every joke your head you just showed the audience the top of your head. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, and I listened to my little tape and went through yeah. it, took some notes and stuff like that. And then once you're, you know you know how it is, once you're working with other comics and stuff like that, they'll help you tag stuff, yeah. and, and uh, especially the ones who have been doing a long time, and they want to, the ones that want to help foster other comics careers and stuff like that, which is one of the funnest yeah. things to do when you st- you've done it for a while, um, is to help others out and, and give them pointers and stuff like that to, you know, share your wisdom. <laughs> and uh, so uh, no, nobody's ever asked me for any of my wisdom <laughs> ever. Yeah, I know, I know. Some, you know, what? A lot of young people, uh, maybe a lot. I should say newer comics, but yeah, it's mostly younger people. I think mean, it's just a youth thing. Is yeah. it's like, hey, look, I, I don't need any tips. I can do this myself. <laughs> well, I actually, got this. All wait, right, old man.
0: What's that old uh, that old adage of you know? It's like. Uh, uh, when i when i was 14 i knew yep. everything and my dad didn't know nothing yeah. it's amazing what he's learned in the last year yeah 10 years. exactly
2: yeah. this guy's a genius yeah. <laughs>
0: that that was a good thing i'm 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 the youngest of six kids so there was never any delusions that i knew anything right. i was a constant oh. you idiot <laughs> you yeah. oh, idiot yeah. in a fun way right but, yeah, it's, uh, it, so we, we just had to fight to get words out at the kitchen table, you know, for dinner.
2: Oh, yeah. 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 That's how, uh, my dad was from a, a big family, too, and that's how he was. He was just, you talk about ADD, boy. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, that, was, that rubbed off on me, yeah. too. I couldn't finish a sentence because he was just like, boom, 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 boom. So I still have some of that, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the Arizona, this was a great place to start. It yeah. really was. It was uh, a great people to come up with. And uh, and the state, Phoenix in general, but the whole state
0: in that early mid-90s was going through a pretty big transformation, too, as far as population influx mm-hmm. and all that.
2: Yeah, and, you know. Because that,
0: that sleepy, I've had some buddies of mine that worked here. They, in the electronics, they worked at Raytheon in the 70s. Okay. And uh, it was nothing. And then, like, 80s, it boomed. There was another boom in the 90s, mm-hmm. like when you were starting out. And then I got here from San Francisco Bay Area in '04, which was another, yeah. just before that collapse in LA, yeah,
2: right. And like I got in just in time for another dip. Like yeah. When I got out on the road, clubs started closing, and so yeah. it was—it uh, really was tight. Um, how- I just quit my job. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> but you know, you get help from people. You how- know, that- how
0: soon did you start hitting the road after that first time up in '91? Uh, it pretty-
2: yeah, it took me. Let me see. I think. It was uh, because again, you could get a lot of work in town, so I didn't have to. I could uh, really kind of get my chops down before I hit the road. But um, I started getting like out of town stuff, like in El Paso and stuff like that. I think maybe after three years, four, because I was still working my day job. Yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, I should say like Tucson. If you consider that, I would drive. I would drive down to Tucson and then drive back and work the next day, and then drive down to you know and come back. And I got to hand it to uh, Gary Bynum because you know how. You know, he, he would say, I remember the first time he saw me, MC, uh, I'd, been do, I'd been going there for a couple times. Yeah. And he, he, goes, he goes, when I came off the stage, he said, uh, Come in here, Maury, and into his office. And he said, You're not an MC anymore. You're a feature. I'll, uh-huh. But, you know, I'll give you more. You know, uh, I can give you all kinds of MC work. It's better than sitting on your butt in Phoenix. But as soon as I have a Fallout yeah. feature, I'm uh, getting you in there, and he was a man of his word. He get, I had a couple more nice, yeah. I had a couple more uh, trips where I was the MC, and then he had a fallout. And then from then on, I uh, I featured, and then he moved. He was the first to move me up to headliner too. Nice. He was the first to move me up at every stage. Yeah, I still, nice. you know. He's a cantankerous guy, but uh, I love the guy.
0: <laughs> what were some of the uh, What were some of the, the the hell gigs you've had on the road?
2: Oh god, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, how do you catalog those? Yeah. Right? It's like because you're you try you're trying to forget them as soon as they happen. Well, it, it, I'm, I'm going to steal a couple of questions. Sure. At, uh, sure. One of my
0: favorite podcasts, Greg Fitzsimmons. He he always oh He oh, yeah, He, he wh-
2: uh, You ever not finish a set? Um, I think I've the only. Uh, only Time I think was um, when I had to because there was something going on outside, like, like a, there was like v- an a emergency bar fight, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <right. laughs> and that place cleared out, and then I guess yeah. oh, the show's over, I guess. Um, but uh, relatively speaking, I haven't had anything like where. Uh, there's been plenty of times I wanted to quit. Yeah. Uh, there's like, like, been plenty of times two minutes in. I go, okay, I have 28 more minutes yeah. to do, or, you know, 37 or 38, and I got to get the hell out of here. But uh, you just got to keep going, you know? Yeah. It's just, those yeah. are br- those are the ones that really work muscles you'll never, yep. you know, you'll never work any other way. It's what? just, uh, they're hell, though.
0: One of the first, because I went through a, a spot, late 80s, early 90s, where I was doing a a lot of open mics and I got a couple of guest spots and stuff in the bay area and then didn't touch a mic for 20 years as far as for stand up I was doing radio and stuff but early on one of my first gigs that wasn't an open mic it was a little guest spot that right. recurring it's in some bar in San Francisco and it was a, a raised stage that the first the first row of chairs the stage was actually their table Oh. It was that height. So, yeah. you know, you're and uh, this he, I was doing seven minutes and he was adamant. If you do set, if you that doesn't mean six and a half, that doesn't mean thirty. Seven minutes. Yeah. is What you're doing <laughs> He's, you're bombing at three minutes. You got four more minutes. Yep. To <laughs> so I walk up. It's a late. It's like eleven thirty at night. I come up on the stage and as I grab the mic, hey, how you got as I'm the second word <laughs> woman in the first row. Vomits all over my shoes, on my shoes, and I just look, put the mic back in, yep. and I get, and I turn to walk off, and he's looking, he just looks at his watch. Nope, seven minutes. Yep. <laughs>
2: so I did seven minutes with uh, with uh, very soggy shoes. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's disgusting too. Yeah, that's. Uh, but there's been plenty of times like that too. That's why to this day I still set my stopwatch because uh, so I I'm looking at the time I've done. Yeah. Right. Because I go that way I can go I'm just gonna wait until that as soon as soon as the nanosecond clicks over to what I need to be doing uh, I'm off at yeah. these at some of these gigs uh, a lot of times I don't know if you've done these where it's a it's a corporate gig or something like that where there they call it because it's so bad no yeah. one's paying attention or whatever and they they give you the old cut the throat thing or like eh, yeah now end it. And then no one talks to you. It's
0: really oh, awful. <laughs> That's awful. Especially if it's in one of them big ballrooms yeah. where you got that long walk from yeah. the stage to the back. Yeah, I've
2: yeah, done one of those. It's a yeah. casino yeah.
0: up there in, uh, in Prescott yeah. once before. Yeah. And
2: I saw, I mean, you know, they're just money gigs because you get this is not going to be... Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, no comic has ever said, that was a really fun corporate gig.
0: Uh, well, you know... Uh, I'm sure if they're, if they're gearing it towards it, but most of the time, they're just trying to finish their dinner, get the little plaque that's right. being given them for salesman <laughs> of the exactly. year or whatever, and then go to
2: the bar. Right. And yeah. see, but the, the, the standard's lower, though, because if you say, that was a fun corporate gig, it means you got the hell off yeah. and got the check without yeah, being the killed. the check didn't right. bounce. <laughs> right. the check didn't bounce, and they didn't hate you. That's a, and that's just, like, that's like average. We did one, this was a few years back,
0: that the casino up there reached out and they said uh, we uh, we want you to we want you to we want you to host it, and again, knowing that I wasn't ready to to headline a show, which I'm still not, but said if you can host it and get one of your one of the guys you know to headline, right, it's got to be completely clean show. It's our high rollers club for Prescott, and if you know about Prescott, you know if you're thinking <laughs> you're going to the casino and you're going to see, you know. Extras from Goodfellas and sharkskin suits and right. Russian models hanging on each arm. No, it's not what you're going to see. No, at they Prescott. call a hoodie a tuxedo. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> That's a formal wear for Chino Right. Now. Right. Yeah. Um, and I says, well, tell you, it's it, what, we're going to have um, some raffle prizes. We're going to have a buffet, uh, <laughs> and we're going to have somebody playing some like dinner music, a solo musician. Right. But then we want to close the night. With a stand-up show, and I'm like, well, I don't think what you probably want is like a, an MC to right. run the night and introduce the museum, tell some jokes, fill you know, do some crowd work for ten minutes, then let them go get their roast beef, and then maybe <laughs> make some jokes as you're and just jokingly I says while well, you're raffling off that blender, yeah, you know, cause, <laughs> right? Because what what time frame are we like? Well, it's going to start at two <sighs> in the afternoon on a oh. Sunday. <laughs> Oh. And uh, we're going to have like an hour's worth of stuff in first, and we want you to be ready to go up at 4, and then you'll do till uh, 5.30. I said, this what? is the worst idea. Yeah. And then they told me what they were paying. I says, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> right, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so um, legitimately, it was uh, oh, horrible. It was oh, just yeah. it, They did not know why we were up there. I brought two comics up from the valley, and... Yep. Uh, they had no idea why we were talking and they weren't and oh and then dinner was like an hour late uh, so of course and sure enough as they're doing their raffle in between comics it's a big you know sure. 750 people in this room yeah <laughs> they call this guy's number and he's completely on the far side <sighs> of the Jeez. of the ballroom and he stands up and he's got a walker he's 90 if he's a day and instead of walking the blender it was a blender instead of walking it back to him they stood there and watched him shuffle all the way up the
2: applause has died down you can hear a pin drop people were shaving in between it was bad someone give that guy a piggyback
0: ride and then he gets up to the front and then they didn't then go to the next they waited oh. for him to walk oh. all the way to the back oh. it was
2: bad but the check cleared and
0: uh,
1: it yeah. was alright
2: but I mean even if, what's weird is you never get used to those gigs I mean you, sure you go okay well you know what it was a good check but man I still feel bad I get, it's, it's harder yeah. to shake off than a bad uh show at a club. Or.
0: Well, and that's the thing. If people walk out of there going, that's stand-up comedy? I don't
2: ever want to see that again. You exactly. Know? But, you know. They're it's not the, my fault. Yeah. yeah. It's my. It's not my fault you had the uh, podium with the half-gooseneck mic <laughs> on it. That's why I bring my own mic stand nowadays. You know, my own mic. And, like, yeah. If you're going to have that stupid thing, I'm going to make sure I have enough control over the stage yeah. here, yeah. you know, how it looks production-wise. <laughs> because they'll, they'll just go, oh, they think you can, you know, if you're a stand-up, we just plug you in anywhere, you yeah. know. We're going to have you well, broadcast from the restroom or and something.
0: when you were starting out, a lot of them were like, I know what they were when I was. It was like, hey, comedy's really big. You know, 89, 88, 89, 90. Yeah. Comedy's really big. Um, well, we have a DJ yes. and karaoke right. on uh, Friday. Let's do comedy on Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. We got a microphone. Yeah. So I... I did a, a show up in Prescott? He's no longer doing it, but he was trying to run it in in a, in a coffee shop art gallery thing. There's a book show. Yeah, he was selling tickets. Yeah, and I go up. I, I was gonna be his, his. He was hosting. I was featuring, and then he brought a comic up from Phoenix. And I literally walk up. And the, it was a six-foot cord yes! from the microphone oh. to the PA speaker that was also on stage. And then he sat. He, he he's doing. <laughs> and he's not moving much. And then he introduces me. I go up. He hands me the mic. I go to turn around and ink. Yep. And then he sat right next to me on stage because he had to work this
2: out. Oh, I was like,
0: this is yeah, oh, this is stop, awkward. I've done those. Yeah. <laughs> this is awkward. Or you go.
2: Eh. Oh, you're going to use the DJ's mic. So the guy. You know, uh, when I was starting, yeah. they'd be playing music. <laughs> all right, everybody, now clear the dance floor. We're going to have a comedian. Yeah, that's exactly what they want to hear, right? Yeah. They're like all high and drunk, and they want, they're like, no. They're trying to get you know, some action. And then, oh, you got this guy? DJ hands me the mic. Yeah, short, like five-foot cord. It's horizontal to the ground. I got to hold it sideways all right, everybody, hey, you know, and they're like, nothing, just like, oh, that's one of those yeah. ones you want to just get the heck out of there. What's, what's uh, over the years, hackiest bit you've ever done? Oh, geez, I'm still doing them, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did, I don't know, I had, I think there's some references, I remember a guy, I wish I could remember his name, he's one of the early, uh, one of the guys who did one of the early voices on Simpsons, and he passed away years ago, too, oh. and yeah, and, I, and I, I think he was like, and I I might be mistaken on this, but he was like one of the, I think he was like one of the first, because they had different people, right? Yeah. started out, and I think maybe Homer Simpson's voice, I'm not sure.
0: Oh, maybe like from the Ullman
2: days. Yeah, and he was Tracy Ullman, yeah. Yeah, and he came from that early 80s, you know, Mm -hmm. comedian thing, where I think he might have gone through some drug stuff, whatever. It was a requirement. Yes, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And I was working with him in Yuma, and I just, that just stands out. I had like a, at the time, you know, the the goofy car was a Yugo. Yeah. But it was like, everyone was using it. And I was just starting out, and I go, and I had a Yugo reference, and he just go, he's at the bar drinking afterward. He goes, man, you're really funny, but you've got to get rid of that Yugo. And he goes, <laughs> because goes, that is just going to ruin your life. I just remember, that was, I was it was such an over-the-top reaction to that that reference. <laughs> I go, he's right, I, and I did, you know.
0: I, like I said, I started doing, you know, back in mi- late 80s, Eighty-eight, first time I went up ever at an open mic, but I working for newspapers. I always had my little micro recorder, which were top of the line back then. You know, sure. In the eighties, I did it for interviews and stuff. Okay. That's what I had for work. But I would record my sets, so I had all these little micro cassettes. That I, I never really listened to. No. I recorded them, and never never got. That's everybody. And then flash forward, ninety-ish, ninety-one. I. Stop doing an open mic. Stopped doing any kind of stand-up. And in 16, a buddy of mine asked me, hey, can you, because he was on my radio show and on the podcast, he goes, hey, can you just introduce me? He was doing a show up there. And then he goes, a week later, yeah, no problem. I'll introduce you. Hey, this is his website. He goes, well, the feature's not going to make it. Can you do like five minutes? Like, I haven't done <laughs> stand-up in. 20 years. No, I can't. Just do five. Okay, I'll do five minutes. Okay, can you? The, the other guy that was going to come, he's not going to come either. Tell you what, can oh, you do 10 minutes? So I no. ended up doing like 10. It was yeah. it worked fine, but in preparation for that, sure, I'm digging through my garage <laughs> and I find all these old micro cassettes. Had no way to play them. And I for, kind of forgot what they were. And a neighbor had an old answering machine. I said, hey, let me borrow your answering machine. So I, in my garage, let's, and they're all my sets from the 80s. Ah. They were, I thought I was at least halfway decent. I knew I wasn't good. I knew I wasn't good. Right. <laughs> it was literally painful to listen to. They were so bad. <laughs> and I was like, what? How much Jack Daniels and cocaine back then prompted yeah. me to think this was a good idea? Yeah, I know. And I'm listening to go, oh, and it was like, it hurt. It hurts. I was all, and one of them, that I re- and I remember doing it and thinking I was next level genius. It was a bit about getting pulled over and convincing the cop that I'm not drunk, but my car was just hammered. <laughs> and we stopped at the gas station. He was buying tankfuls for the Ferrari next to us. Right. Just, just, but the car's drunk. And I thought it was hilarious. I'm listening to this. Just, oh, this is... I couldn't even... So I got all these tapes and I burned them. I did a little ceremony <laughs> in the garage. I was like, I can't even. Glider yeah. fluid, lit them up. This was seven years ago. I'm going through clips you know youtube sure. some spe- and i i got to tag it cuz i you know i got to find out which one cause it, but it's a new special i want to say it's on netflix Whoa. but it's a new special of somebody that i oh i know i know her i know that oh. and there's a bit very similar to that are you sure all those tapes burned no they, they, they <laughs> okay. cuz she did it well yeah. she did it very yeah. well like verbatim or
2: no ver- no 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 oh, it, oh, it was just a, the topic same wise, yeah.
0: about her she got pulled over and her car was the one that was Yeah. Drunk. And it obviously now with smart cars and right. she had a whole spin on it, self-driving. I mean, And I'm thinking like, see, that's where I had a germ of an idea. Yes. And just thought I was great. And then I never... Worked it out. I never took that idea and said, Right. I just, oh, like you were saying earlier, the younger you are, like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. Exactly. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. But that, you
2: make a great point because your skills as a comedian grow over time, and people don't think about that. That something that failed early on in your career, now you have the skills to make it work, to sell it properly, to use the right words and you you yeah. have a different type if of creativity you're willing with it. to do the work, right. which I was not it was that right. well you also get more efficient you also get more efficient <laughs> yeah. At, yeah. At, at getting to the funny oh, I, I stri- think you strip know you strip those that 50 word right That's a big line thing. three is what you need yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. cutting the cutting the word fat. Uh, is something you learn over time yeah. too and uh, you just didn't have those skills yet because I've gone back when I was doing those stupid uh, ships and they, they would have brunch shows they were horrible because <laughs> you'd have to do these shows at night you do like three shows that night a late night show and then the next morning you got to get up and get ready for three brunch shows <laughs> what what is going on you just picture some guy in a corporate cubicle going i got an idea when we have <laughs> A guy walking around with a microphone while everyone's eating their eggs or whatever. So dance monkey. (laughs) Exactly. So I went through, I was going through all my old notebooks. That's why you should never get rid of anything. Uh And I was going through, and I had some jokes that I never really even tried uh, about food and eating and stuff like that because they're all eating, right? That's something that we all have, they're they're doing so they can think about. Even though they're all eating, they can't laugh if they want to because their mouth is full of, you know, (laughs) poached eggs. And you don't want them to. Right. right. (laughs) And... I go I gotta do I need because I don't you can't use the same material from your act they're gonna see that night so I go I just would throw it out there and some of it was working so it's like oh that was unlike that was like an investment I made years ago keeping that in that notebook and it accrued a little bit of interest over time you know (laughs) it was like a gem it was like a gift to myself in the future (laughs) I'm glad I kept it no. because I needed I just needed time. And it was like, even if it just got a giggle, I was like, oh, I don't know I'm getting out of here alive.
0: overall, now, it was kind of a kind of a punchline, you know, uh, you know, the guy doing uh, cruise ships. It kind of kind of had a, a a bit of a sim because of the fact. That you had to do so many shows in front of the same exact audience. Exactly. It seems like recent, in in the last couple of years, especially after pandemic, it's kind of getting a resurgence. They're trying to yeah. make it more of the entertainment as opposed to the yep.
2: dancing monkey. You're right. You're right. And uh, they are getting better. A lot of like, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Royal Caribbean has their bigger ships. They're new big ships that keep getting bigger and bigger. They put actual comedy clubs on the yeah, ship, it's so a club. It's a club. And it's, and it's about the size of a, of yeah. a, of a decent sized club. I don't know how, like maybe 200 people or something like that, nice. or 300. And so, now, you're not getting the same crowd because every, they just tell everybody, it's, it's gonna be the same show. Yeah. But because it only seats so many people, eventually the people who want to go this huge, massive and, amount of passengers not will get to see
0: it. Not just the background music while you're eating breakfast, like exactly. Top- yeah. These are
2: people who just yeah. like a just like a land club where they. These are people who want to see yes. comedy. They're not just looking at it like, oh, this is kind of like the buffet. We haven't done the, yeah. uh, you know, this other event. What have we not done on this ship yeah. yet? Comedy, and they just go there and they just sit and drink, and they're not good crowds, you know. Yeah. But now they're getting better because they're like comedy clubs.
0: Well, and the. Sophistication of the audience with with the as much as I hate using it, the advent of social media, mm-hmm. YouTube, TikTok clips, late night in general, people have and it goes through. It's cyclical, right? But it, we're at a time right now where people are expecting more from comedy. Yeah, it's not just the background noise, right? And they're distinguishing between the good, the bad, and the ugly. Great, yeah. And you know, there's so many. More smart comics now than there were at the boom in the '80s. Exactly. Every restaurant was thrown up a microphone, and the audience are expecting that. They're yeah. coming in, and what I like as a performer who performs clean is like I've, been, I've gone and done some bar shows, and it's it's just not my. It's definitely I'm the one that stands out. It's right. Like it, it's not the f bomb every other word. Right. Yeah. And. It's, that's what forces me then to say, okay, if I'm going to even find one thing I can connect with this 25-year-old pothead audience that I'm not part of, I'm, his, I'm their grandfather, <laughs> right. then i got to figure out, okay, why is this funny and why is it funny in general not just in funny for the other people in my situation. Exactly. The other dads out there.
2: The other dads and grandfathers. You you make a great point because, and I've been thinking about this lately, is because you come from the era where you went out on the road and you honed your skills, you tested your skills, doing shows as an anonymous comic. No one knew who, who the hell you were. And you would do these shows in little remote towns. And by doing thousands of shows, you proved to yourself... I can make. Yeah. I, I am funny. This is funny. I wonder about the young young people. I think are being overexposed because of social media, YouTube, and all that stuff like that. That's. It's okay if you're if you're already an older comic who has done all that. Yeah. These guys, uh, you know, obviously, uh, like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. They have these big. So when people come out, they're just coming out just to see them. Yeah. Right. And that's great. They've already do, they've already done all the shows. But a young comic who hasn't done that yet, and they let's say they kind of blow up after about two years. Uh, they'll never know just how funny they are because those crowds are coming out to see you. It's like your family watching you almost. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, one of the biggest powers a stand-up has is anonymity. It's like, where did this guy come from? You know? it's uh, That
0: misdirection. Misdirection. I I didn't know
2: what was coming. Right. I mean... um, When people kind of know what your life is really like, there's no mystery. There's no uh, because you can say some really absurd things that people don't know you because they go, "Well, maybe it's possible. Maybe this guy really this does happen to him."
0: I was listening to a a podcast, and I don't remember. I want to say it was Louis C.K., but it was one of the one of the stadium guys, you know? Right? And he was. uh, I think it was Louis. I'm not sure though. But he said he goes. I don't know if when I'm going out and I go do a club or a theater, are they laughing? Because exactly. they know I'm supposed to be funny and they know I'm, he goes, so what he would do is he would get like some open micers and stuff and give them his set and go, go perform it. Yeah. And he would sit in the back and if they were getting laughs, then it was like, oh, okay. Okay. That works. That that's They're laughing because of the joke, not because I walked out and smiled, you know, right. that kind of thing.
2: That's really a humble thing to do. That's really someone who's into the writing yeah. and wants to make sure it really is funny yeah. you know what i mean it's uh but i yeah i don't uh, there's a reason why uh historically when a stand up becomes a celebrity that they start doing movies and they kind of leave stand up yeah. and it's because they, again it's that they they're coming out to see you it's an event yeah. it's not just you know they'll 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 still laugh and stuff like that but it's more of a it's not as surprising it's just not yeah. as doesn't have as big an impact, and plus the rooms are getting too huge for that. Yeah. It's not really meant for stadiums. That's why Steve Martin stopped doing it yeah, when he was going.
0: What are some of the bigger the bigger venues you've performed in, and how do you compare them to smaller shows?
2: Um, I you know I, that's a that's a whole different world uh, doing sort of big theaters yeah. and especially opening for a big band. I've opened for a couple of like funk bands and stuff like that, and there were. You know, Celebrity Theater. I've worked there before yeah. too. Um, but man, you really—it's a totally different timing thing. And I have a tro- I have a problem with uh, talking too fast and stepping on laughs. As it is to this yeah. day, I really have to because I get excited. My energy, my my <laughs> meter's running hot, and I'm boom, boom, I, boom. I, I boom. don't. I haven't yeah. stepped on any laughs. I, <laughs> I gotta, gotta get them first. <laughs> well, you really have to watch that when you're yeah. when you're on stage. You know, in a big like a stadium or a big room. And that's, I mean, yeah, the money's great, but these guys, even the guys doing it are going like, yeah, it's just not a different timing. Yeah, you got to wait too long. You're going you into bang. your next joke before the punchline had reached the exactly. back of the room. Yeah, because yeah, I would listen to the recording. I'm like, that is awful. I'm like trying I'm like doing it in an echo chamber. Uh, the biggest
0: uh, place I've performed as is at the Elks in the main theater. It seats about 500, but that's. That's a club for for you and, and other guys. But that was the biggest one I've done. And then I did with uh, with our friend Brian Kahatsu. We did right. an outdoor show uh, a couple years ago in Prescott Valley. And there was maybe 600 people there, but it was a different field. Yeah. It was outdoor, almost a festival kind of thing. Like an amphitheater? No, you sort of. Yeah. <laughs> it was part of the Prescott Valley days where okay. they do carnival things. And right. Historically, they had the main stage where they would do music. And it, it just want They wanted to try something new, so I booked it, Mike James and Brian Gotts, who came down and did, yeah. the, did the show. It was fun, and it was it was a nice one. Just outdoors
2: is always a yeah. little weird. It's weird because you the the you know the, the laughs just dissipate. Yeah. there's nothing. Again, I have to take your word for that.
0: <laughs> no, so but I, and again, I in in the course of my profession, working as a journalist, I've covered. You know, Oakland Coliseum shows, Candlestick sure. Music Venues, huge festivals and amphitheaters and stuff. And I love music. Yeah. I love comedy yep. as both a performer in comedy and as a, as a consumer of it. Absolutely. But there's nothing like seeing a great band in a 50 to 100 seat little nightclub slash bar. Exactly. To me, comedy the same way. I now agreed. where we're at uh, this coming week at the Elks it's a ballroom so it's kind of big but it's maxed out when they do i forget do they call that stadium seating where they just the lines of chairs right 120 cabaret set up with chairs and tables for drinks and things right around 90 yeah and it's a very nice little intimate room little stage that's uh, at the nice end. so it's it's a to me a great venue i love small yeah. venues yeah but, i mean uh, a lot of
2: small seating you know like yeah. if it's cordoned off or it's sort of you know yeah. encapsulated because it, when you look at the uh, the origins of stand up, it was always historically like in jazz clubs, down in yeah, a, yeah, the, yeah. the low ceiling basement, the kind hungry of feel, eye right, in San Francisco, where the brick wall comes from, right? Purple Onion, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, and you're kind of and people were talking about things they probably weren't to poke, quote unquote supposed Speakeasy to be talking. Style, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Mark Norman has talked about this, but it's like we almost have, might have to go back to that as far as yeah. freedom of speech goes. Like you have to go to like a <laughs> speakeasy just so you can, you know, say some dirty words, go in like a back room. <laughs> got to give a code word and go yeah. back there. And I, I think he's right, definitely, because we're the last bastion of freedom of speech. And so we got to yeah, <laughs> keep it going. You know what I mean?
0: So what do you got coming up? What are you got the, uh, the when, when you're listening, to this depending on when you're listening to this. Right. Uh, the Elks Theater on the twenty fourth, which mm-hmm. is this Friday. Uh, the next night, the twenty fifth, on a Saturday. The Orpheum Theater in Flagstaff. Have you been up there to the Orpheum? I
2: have. It's been a while though. I, yeah. I was
0: up there. I got to do a couple guest spots up there a few weeks ago. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah, great. It's a, it's a big. Spa- it's a big place. Yeah. They, they've set it up like uh, club type seating in the dance floor area nice. and in the seats. But it's, yeah. it's a neat. It's a neat area. I'm yeah, look, I'm looking forward look, to yeah, it. Yeah, nice. What do, you, what do you got for those people that are listening to this after the fact? Uh, maybe they've already seen you at either the Elks or the, or the Orphan and Flag. What else you got coming up?
2: Well, I'm uh, next month, beginning of next month. So in Mar- come in March? Come in March, yeah. yes. I'm going to be working with my buddy Rocky Laporte. Oh, nice. Yeah, in uh, up in uh, Lincoln City, Oregon, which is beautiful up there. There's a casino or whatever. And I'm going to be doing some stuff with uh, Rocky at some casinos here and he's there. He's hilarious. He's man. great. Yeah, he's just a great human being too. He really is. Nice, yeah. nice.
0: Now, one of the things that we can't end this without, uh, without touching on it, Ron. In this age of social media and. Uh, and websites and YouTube and, and things like that. Your presence, your f- digital footprint is pretty small. <laughs> yeah, it is. So how do folks find out about where you're going and wh- what you got coming up?
2: Well, I'll tell you what, especially um, before the... Uh, <laughs> th- I, I didn't want to put up... I was getting so few shows there for a while. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not going to... I just post up like... Three shows over a six month period. Looks a little sparse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, feel like, uh, I think it's better they don't know. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, just um, I need to build my a new website and stuff like that. And uh, i am probably be seeking some of your services gotcha. for that stuff, too. Yeah, i got to redo all my promo, so too. But the, it's the, just the a be- way of, like, thinking yeah. about how to do it without... It's uh, a full-time job in it itself, It is. It's, not, it's and, a pain. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I, I didn't get into this So the to best that. way to
0: find out what Ron Mori's up to is start hitting the comedy clubs. And, yeah. And looking around and seeing some of the ones that you perform on a regular basis. Like you said, you're going up Pacific Northwest with right. Rock to the port in March, but uh, some of the ones you're you're uh, that you frequent that folks will be able to see you at periodically. In yeah, the you know, Laugh
2: Factory in Vegas and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, if I can get back there, you know, and. Uh yeah, I'm just—I'll go anywhere they'll have me. Really. Stir Crazy yeah. and JP Stir
0: is here cra- in the Yes, yeah, we've seen you on your 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 face on those flyers.
2: Yep, and um, but I've you know I've been doing a lot of uh, corporates and stuff like that too. Nice. Not a lot, not as many as I'd like yeah. to, because those are depressing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I do need to. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to sort of reinvent any kind yeah. of. Uh, the uh, media type stuff, whatever. And, and as soon as
0: you, as soon as you tackle that one and master it, it will be out of date, and something else will be out. There. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'll be. I'm just gonna go back to sending out flyers. So, yeah. <laughs> dropping them from a plane. The, no, you put them up in the laundry rooms with your phone number on the little tag. Yeah. Pull exactly. Off.
2: Exactly. Yeah, I like that. It's <laughs>
0: just something I like to ask folks, and I always forget. I tried to make it like a, a, the, the closing end of this podcast, and I, then I always forget to do it. Okay. So I remember to do it now. Okay, Ron, they're making a movie. They're making your biopic. Oh, geez. But you have complete creative freedom. So what genre movie is it? Oh, wow. Who plays you, or do you play yourself? Let's start with those. Oh, what wow. genre?
2: Uh, I would have to say adventure, you know? I yeah. think comedy's an adventure, right? You're always... There's so many turns and twists in, in the road or whatever. So
0: kind of... Uh, um, uh, there's, it's like a... What do you call Indiana it? Indiana Jones meets uh, Laugh Factory.
2: <laughs> right, right. Well, it's like, it's like uh, they, what do they call it? The, the hero's journey, right? Yeah. Because here's the great thing about comedy is you... Uh, I guess this is anything you do that you love to do. By doing it over especially a number of years, you will, you don't just learn about what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, it's like Emerson said, you know, the reason to learn a lot of different things is so that you can form analogies, you have can form new analogies, yeah. right? By doing something for a long period of time, you're able to analogize the principles in life. Yeah. By what you do. You go, well, that's not like in stand-up. this happens and this you can understand human Viewed beings it more. That, right. That
0: template. Yeah. yeah.
2: And so I'm that's why I'm not only always learning more about standup, I'm always learning more about life just by doing yeah. it and thinking about how these universal principles apply To all those things, so that I think would be an adventure movie. So an
0: adventure, you're gonna throw in like in between your shows, uh, some car chases to the club. Oh, there'd be car chases yeah. Maybe a heist involved or a terror. You're gonna thwart a terrorist attack. Yeah, well, there'd be hot chicks if I was in the (laughs) movie. All right, what's the soundtrack like?
2: Oh, the soundtrack, oh, that
0: would be fun to got, do. I, I got, love music. You got music background. You got your guitar used to take on. Did you ever play it your guitar on stage? depends on the scene. What's that? Or did you just use it as a prop for your, uh, for your I, set list?
2: That's <laughs> funny you should ask. I did play it on stage with uh, Joey, because I named him, his mom's band. She had a punk band called One Foot in the Grave. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, played, I played a couple of gigs in oh, Tucson nice. with them and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it depends on the scene, though, right? I would uh, gotcha. I would like to, uh, there'd be some metal in there, you know, maybe sort of a little Van Halen-type stuff. I'm a nice. big, I love Van Halen. Uh, but, yeah, and there'd be uh, some funk here and there. There'd be some uh, jangly stuff. Um, I would like to do the music for it, too, as a matter oh, of fact. Oh, gotcha, yeah, okay. I would love to do that. All right,
0: you play yourself, or who plays you? Oh, uh, that's... And is this a contemporary, or is it... Lots of flashbacks with you as a 90 year old guy hanging
2: out. <laughs> yeah, who, uh, that's true. What, uh, depends on what part of my yeah. life is the, is the body. Or you can do
0: the prosthetics and the CGI to make you back like yeah, or deep when you were fake, right? Yeah. I could do, yeah.
2: Uh, uh, yeah. Who would it be? Um, Don Knotts? <laughs> <laughs> I'd want it to be somebody really funny. Yeah. yeah funny and vulnerable uh, but also uh, strong and you know what i mean and uh and driven you know yeah. um a mixture of all the things i admire um but i it would have to be someone it, could, it couldn't be like a like a quote unquote movie star or someone really good looking you know consider that it had to it to definitely be someone who is really kind of goofy you know yeah. what i mean that would that'd would be the best i think well, nice. Yeah. I forward- look at the goofy guy who's playing my life right now <laughs> in real
0: life. I think you might have to nail it yourself. You're going to yeah. have to go in there and uh, and uh, and play it yourself. You yeah. got it dialed in. All right, Ron Mori. Thanks for sitting down. Thank We're you, looking Matt. forward to seeing you at the Elks, the 24th, and at the Orpheum and Flag, Saturday the 25th, and Pacific Northwest in March, and yeah. all around the Southwest and beyond at uh, at a comedy club near you. Thank you so much for having me
2: on the show. All right. Appreciate it.